Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. It's NBA Draft Week. We're going to spend the first part of today's show, though, talking about the latest updated Ringer trade value rankings, why the Ringer got uh, some things right and some things very wrong about three Timberwolves players that are on that trade value ranking list. And then I do want to turn my attention to the Timberwolves number 53 pick in this year's draft, the second rounder the Wolves have, what the strategy should be. And then we'll get into this week uh, some of the best players that could be available at that point. We'll talk about it all on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked on. All right. So a lot to get to today. Um, and I, it's NBA draft week, right? So that's that's going to be kind of be the focus here of, of the rest of the week. I do want to start today, though, with the Ringers trade value rankings. I think those are a ton of fun and um, a couple of interesting notes on Timberwolves players. So we'll do that for the first part of today. Then we'll talk about the second round philosophy. We'll get into, I believe, we'll, we'll get into today um, who... Uh, maybe one of my favorite wing targets at number 53, uh, where the Wolves, of course, have a pick that was originally the New York Knicks pick. So we'll get to all that here today on the show. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter, Lockdown T Wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. I I should also say here on this Monday, happy Juneteenth, um, and hopefully you have the ability to take some time and celebrate what that day means in our country, in the United States of America. So uh, happy Juneteenth to everyone as well. All right, so let's start with the trade value rankings at the Ringer. And there's a couple different ways to slice this and dice this, uh, but basically... I'll give if you're not familiar over at the ringer, which is of course, Bill Simmons site, they do a trade value rankings every year. Um, they usually update it. I feel like they might update it a couple times in the off season, but they also do a full podcast on it. They do a mini write up on the website and basically rank. Uh, I think what they would, they do the top 65. Um, okay. So he did one in February. Simmons did one in February. So this is top 65 players in terms of trade value. So there's a lot that goes into that, obviously, right? It's, it's, First and foremost, your talented production, but then also age, contract, um, and then there's some intangibles. This is obviously a relatively arbitrary list. And as I've said on the show before, I think Simmons uh, is super entertaining and generally does a really good job with with uh, maybe super strong. I think he's very entertaining, does a good job with basketball analysis. Um, that is the one sport where I would say he, his, um, he, he does a pretty good job overall um, specific to things like this. And so like last year, uh, Jaden McDaniels was on in like an honorable mention and it mostly had to do with, I, I say last year, about six months ago, the last time they did this list, basically because, and Simmons said at the time on the podcast, because the Timberwolves would not trade McDaniels. They would have rather traded additional first rounders in the Rudy Gobert trade. So McDaniels made it an honorable mention and Simmons didn't really at the time understand why. Well, he's on the list now, as is Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, of course, in the top 65 uh, with trade players with trade value in the league. 
Rudy Gobert, that was off the list. He's now uh, just completely out of the top 65, not an honorable mention. He's one of 12 players that Simmons removed from the list this year. To give you an idea of some of the other guys that fall in that same category, uh, Jeremy Grant, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Chris Paul, uh, since this came out, of course, he has now reportedly been traded in that in that massive Bradley Beal deal to the Washington Wizards. Jared Allen, um, rough postseason for Jared Allen. Surprised a little bit. He's off the list. Marcus Smart. Anthony Simons, Jordan Poole, Jabari Smith, James Harden. So like good company, like these are all good players. Chris Middleton, who are just off the list. And again, this isn't the top 65 players in the league as of today. These are the top 65 in terms of trade value. So contract and age play a big part in this. Trajectory of the career play a big part of this. There's a bunch of interesting players in honorable mention as well. A lot of young guys, Ochai Ogbaji of the Jazz, Jonathan Kaminga of the Warriors, um, Jared Vanderbilt made it into honorable mention. No Timberwolves players in honorable mention, but there are 15 guys that Simmons has in honorable mention. So then you get into the top 65. Um, he's also got a list of, of quote unquote toughest omissions, which I guess is similar to just missed. Uh, like Vucevic is on that list. Lou Dort is on that list. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'm a little surprised he's not in the top 65. So, the first group of guys, if you work backwards from 65, includes Tyler Hero. He calls this the buyer's remorse group. So Tyler Hero, Bradley Beal, who of course has just been traded, Zach Levine, Kawhi Leonard. Those are all guys who are either overpaid and or, well, actually, yeah, they're all just overpaid. They're good players. In the case of Kawhi Leonard, he's not actually overpaid, but he is based on production and the number of games he's able to play, right? Um and, you know, Tyler Hero, of course, was in and out of the rotation at times, had the had injuries. Uh, Bradley Beal has just not been on a winning team, and he's going to get, he's a year ahead of Cat in terms of the Superbacks, right? He's going to get $46 million this year, $50 million the following year. Just got traded to the Suns. Not official yet, but it's in the works. Then you get into a group of quality starters. More young players. Keegan Murray, of course, a rookie last year. Um uh, and then you got some vet Derek, uh, excuse me, Derek White is in that group. Got a lot of vets who are maybe a little bit overpaid as well. Trey Young, um, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Demar Derozan, R.J. Barrett. I don't know how R.J. Barrett makes this list. I I do not think he's a top sixty trade asset. So we get into some of these that I would quibble with. Dejounte Murray, by the way, gets into that group at number fifty four, and he was a rumored trade target of the Wolves before the Hawks overpaid. By the way, DeJounte Murray becomes a free agent after this year. I talked about this maybe last week in a show about how I would be not, I would not be interested in any sort of a three-team deal, you know, where Houston could get involved. You know, there are all these discussions of could the Wolves get the four pick from Houston and DeJounte Murray go to Minnesota, like, or could the Hawks get the number four pick and Murray goes to Minnesota in this three-team deal? Um, I, like, that, there's no interest I have no interest in pairing DeJounte Murray with Anthony Edwards. Um, and then we get to Group J, the upside gang. These are all players who, uh, according to Bill Simmons, have upside and therefore are a top 53 trade asset. Jaden McDaniels is in there at number 53. He's a spot. This is So I agree with him being on this list, obviously. But he's a spot below Shaden Sharp. He's two spots below Tyrese Maxey. I guess you could argue that one. A couple spots below Scotty Barnes, which, by the way, falling to 50 is a big fall. I believe, I don't have it in front. It doesn't say where he was last year, but I'm pretty sure Scotty Barnes was like a top 20 trade asset on this list last year, which it proves a little bit how reactionary this list is and also how volatile when it comes to trade value or perceived trade value. Austin Reeves is number 49. I get it. He had a really good season. He's going to get paid. But there's no way Austin Reeves has more trade value than Jade McDaniels. He just doesn't. Um, he's a good defender. Sure, he's a, a good shooter. 
But McDaniels is still better in both categories this year. He's a better defender. He's a better shooter. And then he's got undrafted guys, which I don't understand. Brandon Miller at 48, Scoot Henderson at 47. You could argue Cade Cunningham at 46 and Chet Holmgren at 45, sure. But you cannot put Jaden McDaniels behind Shaden Sharp. Scott, uh, you could argue Scotty Barnes. I would not put him behind Shaden Sharp. Would not put him behind Austin Reeves. Two guys who have yet to be drafted in Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. I don't know how you can... I mean, I guess you could put him behind Chet. I guess I get that. And then the next group, the quote, sorry, he's worth way more to us than you group. OG Ananobi at 44, Brandon Ingram, Aaron Gordon, Desmond Bain, Damanis Sabotis. You could argue all those ahead of McDaniels if you want to. I would have to believe Jade McDaniels is a top 40 trade asset, though. I think I think you've got to put him in that top 40 group. And I do not think in any world you can put Shaden Sharp and Austin Reeves in front of him. Um, I wouldn't put rookies in front of Jaden McDaniels. I mean, like, and I guess the logic there is, could you trade Jaden McDaniels straight up for the number three pick in the draft? That's a good question, right? Like, like if all things are equal, would you, and and that I guess is what we're trying to answer here, right? Because in theory, and this is how he describes it on the podcast, any, anybody ahead of Jaden McDaniels is someone that that team would say no to a straight up swap. So would the Blazers straight up swap Shaden Sharp for Jaden McDaniels? Yes, they would. Absolutely. They would. Would the Lakers swap Austin Reeves for Jaden McDaniels? Yes, they would. They absolutely would. Now, would the Rockets trade number four? Would the would the Blazers trade number three straight up for Jaden McDaniels? I don't know. That that and that's where it gets tough. So I guess it proves how difficult this argue, or this uh, exercise is. But I just think Jaden McDaniels is way undervalued here. I do want to get into where Cat ranks and also where Anthony Edwards ranks. I was a little surprised with both of them. Um, in different directions, actually. So we'll do that here next, and then we'll get into some draft talk here towards the end of the show. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. Grocery school shopping and uh, maybe getting a little something for yourself. I mean, it's not too early to think about school shopping. In some parts of the country, school's like seven weeks away. You know, you're already doing all those things. Why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It really is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, the game that maybe you've been dying to go to, the fancy dinner that you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than at the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more, depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, that includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED. You get that $5. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use the code LOCKED. Locked on NBA's mock draft special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in an six episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available right now on Locked On NBA Big Board or on YouTube or really wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find this again. It's Locked On's NBA mock draft special. 
course, the Timberwolves do not have a first-round pick in this year's draft, so I was not able to be a part of it. Unfortunately, this year did feel left out. They do have the number 53 pick, which I'll talk about some philosophy on that here in a little bit. And then we'll spend basically the rest of the week looking at potential targets in the second round, whether it's at 53 or maybe a slight trade-up or trade-back. And they're probably not going to trade-back from 53. But if the Wolves acquire another second-round pick, you know, basically guys that could go anywhere from that, like, anywhere from the start of the second round towards the end of the second round, um, or maybe guys that could go undrafted. Just a few names that I like that are reasonable to, uh, you know, reasonably could be on the board in that range. Um, one more note on Jade McDaniels related to this trade ranking, uh, trade value ranking article. I had mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but uh, the uh, Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter, uh, which is, it's Tim underscore NBA. He uh, is a b-ball index. If you're not familiar with b-ball index, I cited a lot on the show, bball-index.com does a fantastic job with advanced metrics, their own advanced metrics, compiling others. Uh, it's a really great resource, but Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter uh, does a really, really good job. And he tweeted out a couple of things a few weeks ago about some new defensive metrics. One is he had a sneak peek at their difficulty adjusted ball screen navigation list. We talked about how Jaden McDaniels is the best in the league at ball screen navigation this year. Difficulty adjusted, which factors in, of course, uh, it's just the new piece of this, factors in, as it explains, how difficult the assignments are. We talked about Jaden McDaniels has had one of the toughest, um, he was always matched up against top, you know, tier one or tier two offensive opponents. He finished first in difficulty-adjusted ball screen navigation this year ahead of De'Anthony Melton, Quentin Grimes, Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks, Mikel Bridges, Alex Caruso, et cetera, et cetera. Drew Holiday's on that list, Javon Carter. Uh, by the way, Shaden Sharp and, and um, Austin Reeves are not on this list, in case you're wondering. Uh, the other one was difficulty-adjusted perimeter isolation defense, another new statistic. And Jaden McDaniels is number one in that as well, ahead of De'Anthony Melton. Drew Holiday is third, Dylan Brooks is fourth, Javon Carter is fifth. All names you hear as really good perimeter defenders, guys who also received some attention and in some cases more attention than Jaden McDaniels did for um, for defense, all defensive first and second team. Of course, McDaniels received votes but did not make either team. And uh, just thought I'd point that out that like, I don't know, he's first in both those categories. Probably the best all around perimeter-oriented defender. And I explained a few weeks ago, he didn't make one of the teams because the way the teams are set up, right? You have to have two forwards on each team, reputation, guys like Giannis, et cetera, that were, of course, ahead of him. Um, but man, all things considered, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like that would put him ahead of, on this uh, trade value rankings list, ahead of most of the guys. Oh, you know who else isn't on there that received a lot of attention for... Um, and actually, I think did make it all defensive team. Desmond Bain, by the way, he's 41st. I'm not saying Jay McDaniels is a better player than Desmond Bain. I'm saying trade value wise, I guess McDaniels is extension. Well, so is Bain, though. I think they were the same draft. So I I don't know. I don't know how you put Bain. How many, picks, how many places ahead? 12 places ahead of Jaden McDaniels. I don't know how you put Shaden Sharp ahead of Jaden McDaniels. I don't know how you put Austin Reeves ahead of Jaden McDaniels. Anyway, let's move on. Carl Anthony Towns is number 36 on this list. Last year, I think he was around 20. He's a spot ahead of Drew Holiday, two spots ahead of LeBron James, three spots ahead of Paul George. He's in the group that Simmons calls, if you tell Woj, I'll deny it to the death, but I'm listening. I think this is probably about the right group for him to be in. He's a spot behind LaMelo Ball, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, now, again, contract plays into this, right? LaMelo Ball makes $11 million. Towns makes 36. He's about to make $50 million. So, yeah, but then again, Ball is also extension eligible. So, like, what's he about to get paid? Probably something pretty close to the max, like Anthony Edwards, right? So, putting him 35, I get it. 
But I think Towns is worth more than the mellow ball. I also think he's probably worth more than Pascal Siakam again. Siakam's going to be a free agent after this year is also eligible for an extension. Jalen Brown is 33rd. And then you get into group G, too young, too cheap, too good. Laurie Markkinen is there. I guess that makes sense because of the contract of him ahead of Towns. Walker Kessler's number 31 on this list. Part of me feels like Kessler had a fantastic year. But Simmons is on record as saying on a different show that the Towns trade is the worst trade of the last 15 years. Excuse me, not the Towns trade. The Gobert trade. Which I guess if Gobert's not on this list, Kessler's 31st, Vanderbilt is honorable mention, then you could make that argument. But I think it's aggressive to have Walker Kessler 31st and Carl Anthony Towns 36th. You cannot tell me that the Jazz wouldn't... I think the Jazz would trade Towns for Walker Kessler straight up. I really do think that they would. Uh, I... I think the Magic would trade Franz Wagner straight up for Carl Anthony Towns. Again, not possible because of salaries, but that's the whole point of this exercise, right? Is in a vacuum, would you do this deal, these guys straight up? Would the Thunder trade Jalen Williams for Carl Anthony Towns straight up? I think they would. Like, I just think the Towns ranking is a little bit too low. And some of these younger players, and I know age plays into it, but I think they're being a little bit overvalued on this list. Anthony Edwards, though, is in group B, the untouchables. He sneaks into group B, the top nine trade value assets in the league. Anthony Edwards is number nine. He's a spot ahead of Kevin Durant, two spots ahead of Jamal Murray, three spots ahead of Jimmy Butler, four spots ahead of Joel Embiid. And again, it's because Embiid's about to make 50 million a year. It's because Butler is about to make 50 million a year, and he's also 33. Jamal Murray surprised me a little he wasn't higher. Durant, I think this makes sense. We've seen him traded a couple of times recently. But Ant is number nine. Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Thunder is number eight. Devin Booker, number seven, which feels a little high for Booker. And then the next group is completely and utterly untouchable. It's Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, um, Wimbenyama, Luka Doncic, Giannis, and then Jokic is number one. I think the Ant ranking is about right. I think Towns is a little low. I think Ant's about right. I think... The Thunder, you probably aren't able to trade Edwards for SGA straight up if you're the Wolves because SGA is already a superstar. Anthony Edwards is not quite there yet. Devin Booker is a little bit older. He's already a superstar. So I get it. I do think the Suns would trade Durant for, well, probably not now after getting Bradley Beal, but would they trade Durant for Edwards straight up? Maybe. Would the Nuggets trade Murray for Edwards straight up? Probably not. And that's why I'd maybe flip Ant and, and Jamal Murray, and I'd put Ant at 11 and Murray at 9. Um, but I think it's close. I think that discussing Anthony Edwards in that range makes a lot of sense, and I can't really quibble with it. All right. Um, what I want to do next today is I want to talk about the philosophy in the second round, and that'll be how we close the show. I'm not going to get to the actual number 53 pick. I know if you're watching on YouTube, I have that on the list. I'm not going to get to that on today's show, but there is somebody that I like the most in terms of wings that will fit into this philosophy. So that's how we'll start the show on Tuesday, and... I'll get into a couple of additional players that I really like for the Wolves on Tuesday's show. So we'll close today with the philosophy. We'll open Tuesday with the player that's number 53, or that I, sorry, the player that I like at number 53 that's referenced here on uh, on the YouTube graphic, if you're watching on YouTube. That's how we'll open Tuesday's show. So we'll do all that. Um, we'll talk about philosophy here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Prize Picks. If uh, I guess the NBA NBA is over. So if you're a baseball fan, take a look at the schedule. 
Try and decide which pitcher you would take under on runs tonight, or maybe which batter you take over on hits tonight. You can play any sport over at Prize Picks. Basketball is probably my favorite to play on Prize Picks, but football, we're almost in football season. Hockey, of course, wrapped up, but um, you know, you can go play baseball, college sports, etc. If you're wondering how Prize Picks works, it's really easy. You just pick two to six players in whatever sport you're on. If they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, depending on category, there's plenty of categories available. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people either. It's just you versus the projections available. Again, any sport. Of course, it includes the NBA. It also includes baseball, uh, football when that gets going, the NHL, golf, uh, college sports. You name it, they have it. Entries can be made in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, let's talk a little NBA draft. And the Timberwolves do not have their own second round pick. They, of course, don't have a first round pick, but they own the number 53 pick, which was originally the New York Knicks. It came to the Wolves. I think it was actually part of the draft night trade last year when there were picks flying around. I think it might have come through the Jazz. I can't remember exactly, but they ended up with that pick through a couple of trades. And I want to talk a little bit about what the philosophy should be in the second round. And there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Now, second round picks for a while have been, for a while they were considered almost throwaways, like you're either drafting and stashing a European player, a foreign player, or you're just, you know, you're you're taking, you know, like the Wolves drafted how many guys, like Marcus Taylor, who I think was the leading Big Ten score for Michigan State one year. They drafted Rick Rickert, who is from Minnesota and played at University of Minnesota. Like, they were almost, uh, Lauren Woods, who was a big time college player, but was never really going to be a great pro. Think of all these bigger a lot of time they're domestic big names from college or they're drafting stash, right? But then, I don't know, this is this is a rough estimation. 15 or so years ago, it started, it was teams that were finding diamonds in the rough in the second round and undervalued guys and early second round picks were thought of as more valuable than late first round picks because you didn't have to guarantee a salary. It's a little different now because teams have become much smarter with scouting and the way that, um, and more more efficient, we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and why, I guess, why the approach is what it is now. But teams started to realize that if you hit on a first-round pick and you had that low-guaranteed salary, you were in a good spot. And then teams started doing like what the Wolves did with Jalen Noel and Nas Reed, who was undrafted, but they gave them each effectively the same deal where it's partially guaranteed, right? So the players incentivize to sign it because they get their million and a half, two million bucks, whatever. And then they have partially partial guarantees for the, you know, the ensuing year. So both Noel and Nas Reed, again, Noel's second round pick, by the way, big 12 player of the year. Um, and sorry, not big 12, pack 12 player of the year. And Nas Reed was undrafted. They each got partial guarantees for four years and both ended up being, Noel was a bargain in year three, struggled in year four. Nas was a bargain pretty much all the way through. And then you just make that decision. Like if the Wolves had extended Nas last offseason, we wouldn't be having this conversation now about, you know, what do they do in free agency? But all that to say, second round picks are definitely an asset now. In my opinion, the philosophy of second round picks has to be one of two things. You're either looking for a player that has one outstanding skill like can do one thing extremely well and they're NBA ready with that one skill. And there's a reason you, you have reason to believe that you can develop the rest of that player to, 
take advantage to to make it worthwhile to take advantage of that one skill at the NBA level, right? So if somebody's an incredible rebounder, and there's a lot of examples of this, I mean, like uh, the I think Kevon Looney was actually late first round, but the Warriors have done this. Um, you know, undersized bigs that are outstanding rebounders that can come in. You know, if if they're one issues that they're undersized, but say they can also, in addition to being able to rebound. Uh, Eric Pascal is a good example. I think he was a second rounder. He was briefly on the Wolves last year. He was undersized, but he could rebound and he was able to develop a shot. He had uh, was a really intelligent player, good passer. And the thought was like, hey, if he could do everything pretty well, but has this one outstanding skill and he's just undersized, he could be a valuable bench rotation piece for basically peanuts in terms of salary, right? So that's one thing you're looking for as a player. And that's just one example. A player with an outstanding skill um, that... You know, you could develop the rest of them well enough to then uh, be able to to not make an excuse, but like justify, I guess, them being on the floor if you can bring the rest of their game up to an NBA NBA ish level, right? Or like shooters are another good example. Um, in recent drafts, like I'm trying to think if there's a, a, a good example of somebody who was just a fantastic shooter that was drafted because of it, um, and in the second round and stuck around. Like, I mean, there there are examples, and I I. Let me think about this. Uh, let's see. I have the last couple drafts pulled up, so I'm just kind of looking through some of these guys that uh, shooting isn't actually a good example in the last few years, but that's one example of like if somebody's an outstanding shooter, but there's other issues with their game, can they can they make a roster, right? Because that's remember, it's not a guaranteed deal in most cases in the second round. It doesn't have to be at least. So you're not guaranteed to make a roster. Um, Shake Milton's a good example. Like he ended up being an okay NBA shooter, but that was one of the reasons he got picked to the second round. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, it was because he was a really good defender. And so he was going to get a shot in the second round. Um, Javon Carter, same thing. Uh, and it really was shooting and defense. He was just undersized, right? So the, those were his outstanding skills, but there was an issue. Those are all second round picks from, what was that, 2019, 2018? Um, or the second thing is, it's a player with one major issue. They're really good at everything else, but they have something that isn't up to snuff. So like Keita Bates, yeah, Timberwolves second round pick when Tom Thibodeau was in charge in 2018. He was well-rounded. He was the Big Ten player of the year. His issue was he a lack of athleticism. And there were some, you know, shooting was a little shaky, but like he was kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, right? That's what I'm saying here is, is that in a lot of cases they're well-rounded, but they have a major issue. Uh, athleticism a lot of times is what that is, or they're just super undersized. Um, Desmond Bain lasted to the first pick of the second round, or sorry, last pick of the first round because he had a negative wingspan. He's a good athlete, really good shooter, great feel, good basketball IQ. He was just in a negative wingspan. So teams talked themselves into, he may not be a good defender. He, you know, there's limited upside because of that limited wingspan. Kyle Anderson made it to the late first round for that same reason. A lot of times these types of players sneak into the second round and there's a ton of examples. Luca Garza, uh, slow footed slash limited athleticism. He's a really skilled offensive player. He's a good rebounder. He's a little undersized, but not a lot. It was just a lack of athleticism. So it's a lot of times it's size or athleticism are the limiting factors that allow players to slip into the mid late second round that otherwise would be a much higher selection in the first round. So when you're at picking at number 53, you're going to take a swing on a player that's got a red flag, but is super good everywhere else. And you think that there's a high ceiling if you can, you know, figure out that red flag. Now, if it's size, if it's athleticism, a lot of like, there's not a whole lot you can do about that, right? Or it's a player with an outstanding skill, and you think perhaps their other skills can go from, you know, mediocre to 
good enough to play them to maybe even better than that, right? And you look at, there's tons of examples. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is an extreme example, but like other Tim Connolly draftees like Monty Morris, uh, former point guard in Denver who was with Washington this last year. Uh, he was traded to Washington last offseason. Um, there's plenty of other second-round examples of that being the case as well. So when you're picking at 53, beggars can't be choosers. You're looking for one of these two things. You're going to take a swing or you're going to find somebody that's probably going to be a solid rotational contributor. In fact, Josh Minot is a good example of that last year. It's a lit, it's, it's actually um, more of a high upside play, but knowing that his one outstanding skill is his athleticism slash nose for the ball and rebounding, which I would lump together as like just calling it nose for the ball. And athleticism is part of that. Those things together, it's like, okay, he's playable now because he's just going to wreak havoc and he's so athletic and long and and he can get on the glass. We could figure out some of the offensive skill stuff later. Let's plug him in and play him. Probably second year now, he's going to get a shot as a rotation guy. That's an example of a really solid second round pick where the floor is pretty decent because he's got that one outstanding skill. But the ceiling is also impressive. And that it's the it's the perfect second round pick. Josh Minot was. I've got another player that reminds me a little of him, not in terms of athleticism, but the nose for the ball stuff. Let's lead off the show Tuesday talking about a player that I really like, that I think will be there, or have a really good shot at being there at number 53 for the Wolves. So that's how we'll open Tuesday's show. And then we'll talk about a couple of other players that I like as possible Timberwolves draft picks late in the second round. That's how we'll lead Tuesday's show. And really, that's most of what we'll do Wednesday and Thursday is talk about potential second-round picks for the Wolves as well, get you familiar with some of these names. So be sure to tune back in on Tuesday. That's all we have for you today. A big thank you to those of you that do make this show your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves. And also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Again, every day or tomorrow, we're going to talk number pick 53, three players. We'll lead off with one I'm excited about. Three players the Wolves could look at at number 53. That's what we'll do on Tuesday's show. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.